welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm your Smoke Master General, Mr. Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. we got to get a t-shirt made. Oh, I'll wear it proudly. Yeah, we, we definitely got to get a t-shirt made. Does that month. fall into the realm, though, of, because I was thinking about this as it was coming out of my mouth and I was describing myself that way. Is that kind of like the guy who calls himself an aficionado? A- am I being a bit pretentious? Nah. Because I didn't come up with it. It was, right. uh, it so was I'm gifted just, unto you. Gotcha. And all. Just because it was gifted unto you makes it completely okay. And all. So, yeah, and, and the guys that call themselves aficionados, see, Smoke Master General implies that you're willing to lead the masses. Right. Aficionado applies that you're above the masses. Exactly. No, it, so it's, it's, it's all about the masses. I was talking to uh, one of my coworkers yesterday uh, who um, isn't technically in an IT role, but is is more technological than most people. And and he and I were have that in common and say, now you know, I just I know how to use computers better than most people, and so that I've made it a career. And. He go, and so he asked me, he goes, would you consider yourself a hacker? And I was like, nobody that calls themselves a hacker is. No. And it's one of the, I, and, and I, I used exactly that af- aficionado uh, to draw a comparison. And he was like, yep, that's exactly. 100%. So, okay, we have an important question we must answer that we have never asked before on this show. How do you cut a bellicoso? We've talked about that. No, we've spoken of torpedoes. We've spoken of box thing. press. I don't think it's the same thing. This is so. In this particular case, this is a shallower torpedo. It doesn't come to quite as severe a point as most torpedoes. So, do you can still cut it on an angle, or do you cut it flat? See, I always I cut torpedoes flat too. Ah, uh, yeah, heathen. And I always cut the torpedoes on an angle because I like the increased surface area for my draw. But a bellicoso for me is a more complicated I almost have to cut a bellicoso flat well and the thing is at least in the case of this particular cigar it's not a very pronounced taper no you know it's a quarter of inch from shoulder to tip I know a lot of guys that would cut that much off the cigar (laughs) regardless of whether it was a belly or not right you know and it's and it's funny because typically since I'm not a big fan of torpedoes that's usually what I would do. I would cut way more off than I would normally need. Number one, out of respect for this cigar, but number two, because of how gradually it tapers in, I won't need to go any more than, you know, halfway down the taper to get exactly what I need. Well, if you remove the cap, you've gone too far. Right. And, uh, and if you cut so deep that the cap slides off, you have gone too far. You must coordinate very carefully. Mm. And also, uh, the cigar we're discussing, we're both smoking tonight. The um, Drew Estate Undercrown 10 Tuwani. The special limited edition factory um, or event only smoke. Sorry, something's going on outside that's severely distracting my attention. Well, <laughs> well stop it. I, lo- I lost my train. I couldn't help it. I lost my train of thought <laughs> for a moment. If you were sitting in this chair, you would have too. Fair enough. <laughs> but um, the Tuwani. So the Tuwani is an Undercrown 10. It has a Mexican San Andreas dark wrapper, a Connecticut River broadleaf binder, and Nicaraguan fillers. Now, I've smoked a couple of Undercrown tins at this point, five or six, and Willie describes it as Mexican hot chocolate. I don't really get that from it. I just get good cigar. Yeah, it, it is 
such a fantastic cigar, and I actually was almost going to smoke a tin on the show tonight until you said, hey, I've got your stick. Um, I, I have smoked three of them now. and No, two. And, 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 you know, both times I've enjoyed it just as much as any other cigar I've had in recent memory. It well, is so good. For a year I've been saying Drew Estate impressed me. Well, they listen. They've impressed me. The mm-hmm. tin is very impressive. So really looking forward to getting into these cigars. The, the, the Bellicoso shape always throws me off. It's not a shape I would choose just because of the inherent difficulties in the cut. Uh, oh, okay. You got your cutter. Yeah, I found it. Okay, you were looking over at my gear. I thought you might need a cutter. I was I was about to to ask if you were going to if if the if the digital uh, lighter is back in back in play. It is. So the digital lighter is great, but what happens is everybody you meet wants to play with it. Mm-hmm. So it's burning. You know, about six tanks of butane to, to one. Right. <laughs> And all it's it's almost too impressive because everybody that sees it wants to take it out and play with it. And the they cold do, draw on that is amazing. They do have that thing with the it's and what we're talking about is my touchscreen, my vector icon. And um, when you open the lid, it begins expelling butane. And all and I, I, how hard would it have been for them to have op- you could open the lid and then when you push that, it starts expelling butane. Right. But, you know, it, we're going to talk about the difference in good and great here later in the show. That's the difference. Well, <laughs> except that how does the how does the lighter then know when to stop spewing butane? If I can't think that that's an insurmountable hurdle. <laughs> but it, it could be an insurmountable hurdle in terms of being able to fit in that form factor. Because that's an extra level of programming, which means you probably have to have a little bit more capacity for processing in that thing. I mean, you'd have to, because obviously it's got a rechargeable USB, so it's got a, a logic board of some kind in it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I it, I would think you're right. It's probably fairly simple to do, but at the same time, you know, the Julius operates the same way, where you flip it open, that's when the gas comes out, and then. Yeah, but the Julius is using so much smaller a stream of well, gas, and I also will, nobody wants to play with my Julius. Well, that's... <laughs> Most people see the Julius, and they're like, oh, yeah, and then they have to spend 10 minutes trying to figure out how it works, which, to me, the Julius is pretty self-explanatory. There's a big red wheel on the side. Turn it for fire. And all. But everybody I give that to stares at it like a monkey doing a math problem for a few minutes before they actually get around to lighten with it. Now... When you were talking about the cigar, I, I, you may have said it. I didn't think you did, though. So, is the shape what makes it the exclusive, or is there a difference in the blend? The Vitola. Yeah, okay, it's, that, it's I all thought about that was the, the case, but I wanted to double check that because God, that is so good. Oh, it's just a great, and I, I love that shape. I, I love that size. And Not it draws shape. perfectly. Oh yeah, just Underground Ten. Drew Estate knocked it out of the park with that. They really did. And all, and we're going to DE twenty five. We have all of our reservations, our flights, our tickets. Our we will be there with bells on. So if you see us at Drew Estate twenty five, you see, you, well, when you see me at Drew Estate twenty five, come up and say, hi, and I'll point out who Trey is. <laughs> 
Is that not the way it always works? That's exactly how it always works. <laughs> People always, hey, Shane, how you? oh, yeah, this Trey, Trey, Trey. Oh, yeah, he's the other guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shane, Shane and the other guy is what we should have called it. <laughs> but I need to have my Smokemaster General shirt by that. See, if you've got your... Uh, well, Th- that would be the pretentious place to wear it. Well, if you're going to wear it, you kind of need a Smokemaster General jacket. <laughs> you know, more so than a shirt. Right. And all as Adam Carolla puts it a windbreaker <laughs> of some sort. And all the windbreaker Just a big came number one on the back. <laughs> windbreaker came and went fairly quickly. Yeah, unless you're in the mob, I think it's pretty yeah, much pretty pretty much the end of the windbreaker. But speaking of the mob, let's talk about legislation. <laughs> so Bill to Imagine ex- how good we'd be if we rehearsed. <laughs> yeah. Bill to exempt premium cigars from FDA regulations returns to House. So here we have a nice bipartisan bill. Congressman Bill Posey, Republican from Florida, and Congresswoman Kathy Castor, Democrat from Florida, put forward H.R. 3982. Bingo. Known as the Traditional Cigar Manufacturing and Small Business Jobs Preservation Act. Love it. It explains everything you need to know. It's like watching the beginning of Gilligan's Island. You know exactly what it's Full about. Full exposition with no effort. Yeah, no need for backstory. Nobody ever watched the beginning of Gilligan's Island and said, huh, I wonder what this show's about. It, it was very descriptive, very clear, very clean. That's what I love. And I love, I love that in my TV shows. I like that in my house bills. Yeah. So they reintroduced this in an effort to get the premium cigars out from under the purview of the FDA because the FDA has no business involved in premium cigars. Right. And, uh, and their definition, I want to touch on their definition of what is a premium cigar. Because we talk about it, and uh, I need to have this tattooed on my arm so that I can just look at it and read it because it comes up more often than not. Premium cigar is defined as any roll of tobacco that is wrapped in 100% leaf tobacco, bunched with 100% tobacco filler, contains no filter, tip, flavor additive, or non-tobacco mouthpiece. Weighs at least 6 pounds per 1,000. And it also specifies that large or premium cigar must be hand-rolled with 100% leaf tobacco binder. I like that little caveat at the end because what it does is it allows, you know, because we're getting away from price. Price has no determinant on whether or not a cigar is a premium cigar. And... But you can have little cigars, you know, senoritas, for example, and things like that. And so, and even like the Villigers that are partially machine made. And so this allows a provision for that that says as long as a pure tobacco leaf wrapper is hand applied before the cigar enters a budging and capping machine, it counts too. And I think that's a very good and important distinction. Yeah, and this makes no distinction between long filler, short filler, medium filler. It makes no distinction between that, which I think is good because there's no business in having a distinction between no, that. No, that, that matters to the consumer, not to the regulatory. Yeah, and actually matters less and less to the consumer. Yeah. As people are showing us what they can do with that medium and short filler tobacco, I think, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is a great bill. I hope that it gets passed. With the F, it's a good time to reintroduce it with the FDA backing off on their stance and not being able to get their act together. Mm-hmm. It really, um, and here's the thing. 
Show me statistics where this is where FDA having premium cigars is going to stop you smoking. Show, show me one statistic. Show me one statistic of anybody who has been made sick or hospitalized because of a contaminant in the process. Now, I don't care about people that you know got sick because of smoking cigars. That does happen only at a very significantly reduced rate compared to other tobacco uses. But show me one time where someone mishandled the tobacco in such a way that it caused you know, any type of illness like right. salmonella or E. coli. It doesn't happen. It happens far more often with our spinach and tomatoes. Absolutely. So the this is a good bill. I hope that it gets passed. And I'll, we've touched on it before, so I'm not going to dwell on it because we got a lot of new cigars to talk about tonight. It's showtime. Show's July 9th. So everybody's starting to lay out their cigars for the yeah. shows and their new releases, even if they're not going to be at the show. So the first one I want to stop, talk about is the Buffalo Trace Cigar. The question is, gimmick or good cigar? So it, it, that was kind of my first thought, too, when I saw this. And I was wondering, you know, it's, it's made by CI. So that kind of puts it in gimmick territory for me. You know, because they're a marketing company that happens to have chosen cigars as their medium. Uh, that's really, in, in my mind, that's what they are. So, you know, it is going to be a handmade Dominican cigar. It, um, I don't see, okay, yeah, it's not actually going to have any bourbon in it, but it, supposedly it was blended to pair well with Buffalo Trace bourbon. Yeah, that has, you can't do that. Well, it's like, palate specific. I like the recipe. I do, too. I like the Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Brazilian Araparaca binder, and a blend made with barrel-aged Dominican and Nicaraguan tobaccos. So, in the realm of gimmick cigars, that's not a bad recipe. No, it definitely doesn't. I mean, at least they're not aged in Buffalo Trace barrels after they're rolled to give you that. You know, I mean, they're not go. They're not doing what Maker's Mark does. Well, and also their pricing. Their suggested retail, $758 and $850. Yeah, you know, you pick up a Toro seven by four or a Churchill, excuse me, seven by forty nine at eight fifty. They're pricing them well, so this yeah. I think we can. I cannot pronounce judgment on this cigar until I smoke one. I would try one. The problem is, being a CI exclusive, you're only going to get them by the box, and I don't know that I'm going to buy a box at eight fifty a stick on sight unseen. We we need a cigar co op. Yeah, <laughs> where. When something like this comes out, that we that we buy a box as a group and then just divvy up the box. We really should do that. Get ten guys together. Every time a, a box like this comes up, you pay a, you know, we all pull in together. You get two cigars. The Cigar Cast Cooperative. That could be I our like first it. business venture. I like it, and I think that would work because that would be. Um, that's how the Cigar of the Month clubs should work. Mm-hmm. Realistically, that's how, you know, I would subscribe to that cigar of the month. Yeah. Well, especially because what you could do is, you know, someone presents to the group. At least half of the group has to agree to purchase the stick, the box. And then if you, once the decision has been made to purchase, anybody above that five line has the opportunity, the option to buy in or not. So if you're on the fence and your vote's going to be, okay, well, let's just see if it happens. And then, okay, we're going to buy it. Okay, fine, I'll jump in. 
Well, and if everybody, if you buy a box and half the people like them and half the people don't, the people that don't like them can sell them to the people well, that did. Well, that's what I was saying. You know, you, you make the decision to, you know, to sell off your shares or to not participate, and then the price just goes up per person, but you get a, an extra cigar out of it. Right. Makes makes perfect sense. Let's, let's put this on paper. Okay. We'll, we'll work on that after the show. Well, we got something else to work on after the show, but after after the after the show, we'll have to work after on that. After the after the after. And I may have to work on it on the plane to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll, so, next cigar. Four Kicks Kappa Especial Aguilas LE 2021. Do, does the name need to be that long? <laughs> what does Aguilas mean? Um, I have no idea. And I'll, so, it's another limited edition from Four Kicks. Okay, I smoked one of these. I like the shape, that Perfecto shape. I enjoyed the shape. I enjoyed, I enjoyed everything about the cigar except for the blend. Eagle. Eagle. See, I'd, I'd, I'd rather it said equal than Aquinas. But anyway, um, I smoked one of these, and all, a buddy of mine had one, and he, he and I were discussing something. He said, here, please, enjoy this one. So, Because usually a new cigar for me is a smoke on the show. Right. So it's rare that I'm going to come in and say, okay, this is a new cigar that I've already smoked. Um, I enjoyed everything but the blend. The blend was unremarkable to me. I was not... Um, and. I need to go through some sort of brainwashing where I can get over my hangups about crowned heads. Right. Where I can kind of let go and just, I guess, I guess from now on, I just need everybody that hands me a crowned heads to take the label off mm-hmm. and let me smoke it so that I can make a, a true judgment and all. Because I, crowned heads has burned me too much. They have right. earned, you know, you will earn your reputation with me. And they burned me so much on these special editions that it's kind of like, ah. And all, but it was good, not great. Hmm? And all. It looks good. I I have liked what they have done with the Four Kicks line. I wasn't a huge Four Kicks fan when it first came out. Uh, but, you know, the Mule Kick and some of the special editions that they have done off of the Four Kicks kind of base, I have enjoyed. So I'll have to get a, get a hold of one of these. Well, yeah, my, my review is definitely a five, good, not great would kind of be my my official ranking if I had to put a number on that cigar. And I do like E.P. Carrillo's stuff, so... Yep, that is nice. And I'll actually, I had a chance to talk with a Carrillo rep today. And I'll, I seen the Carrillo rep in my travels and actually had a few minutes to sit and talk with him today. And they're, they're still, you know, riding high on the pledge. And oh, the, of course, um, yeah. Majestic. And all, and I and I prefer the majestic over the pledge. He asked me which I preferred, and I said I definitely prefer the majestic over the pledge. No, oh, agreed. Fiat Lux by Luciano shipping this July. And all, so Luciano Moreas, and all, we've had him on the show mm-hmm. with Ace Prime, um, great cigar maker. Absolutely. The Traveler, his cigar, the Traveler, loved it. Enjoy it tremendously. Um, a little bit. I, I wish it was a little bigger ring gauge, mm-hmm. but he got you got to blend to what you blend to. It yeah. may not be as good in a bigger ring gauge. Yeah, and and I I don't think it was held back. I you know I think that was just kind of personal preference. I, but the the cigar itself was was fantastic. So the Fiat Lux is rolled with a high priming Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and a mix of Nicaraguan fillers from Pueblo Nuevo, Jalapa, and Ometepe. So, um, Nicaraguan cigar, Ecuadorian wrapper is basically what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Good combo. I like Ecuadorian and Nicaraguan together. 
And Ecuador and Nicaragua are kind of so close together geographically. There's not a lot of difference in the two, is there? Mm, There's significant enough that you can taste the difference for sure. Um, So what does high priming mean? It means closer to the top of the plant. So it's typically going to be a little bit more fuller body. So that's like your Lajero, for example. Got a little more sun, got a little more tar in it, got a little more flavor coming from it. Um, I like it. I like the theory behind it, that it's a more reflective approach. And Fiat Lux is associated with the quest for knowledge. Fiat Lux is Latin for let there be light. So I like a cigar. I like a name. I like my names of my cigars to make sense. It makes sense. Not a lot of flash, just a straight wrapper. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this smoke. This is definitely one I can get in. And it seems like Ace Prime is really starting to make some moves in the market. And, uh, you know, they came in, you know, some pe- some cigar companies, McAuliffe came in with a roar. Right. Some cigar companies kind of just come in nice and soft. Which is the better, the better technique? I feel like it depends what your goals are. I think it's better to come in soft personally because I think... what. The, the worst problem you can have in business is not enough customers. The second worst problem you can have in business is too many customers. And so if you, if you come in with a roar and aren't able to, to service whatever client load you come out with, you put yourself behind the eight ball of your own doing. Whereas if you come in slow, you can, you can, if you plan it right, you can weather through those periods where you don't have enough customers and you can bootstrap it and you can do what Rocky Patel did and just, just go around the country selling your wares until you, and then you expand and you grow and you scale proportionally. That's, it's the safer route, which is of course why I would choose that route. Well, it's the difference in Tatawahe and Drew Estate. Drew Estate set out to build a subculture, to build a culture around their cigars. And McAuliffe, I feel like, followed that model. And uh, with the ambassador program, with their, you know, all would, of their different things have been kind of set up to create a, a more um, virulent fan base. I would, I would go so far as to say that, they, that McAuliffe tried to tried to create a cult following. I don't know that I would go so far as to say subculture because you know Drew Estate if you look at their branding, if you look at the um, you know the, just overall marketing of the company and the the personality types that they employ and and who represent the brand, that's very much a subculture. Um, they're taking a, a certain type of person and they're appealing to a certain type of person as well whereas McAuliffe is not really hitting people with where they live. They're just making such a good product and making it so approachable and giving people the opportunity to interact that they're creating a cult following. And you look at Tatawahe, hey, we're going to create a great cigar first and we're going to base it, you know, we're going to base it off that, but Pete Johnson's not going to show up at your door. Exactly. Now, Luciano will show up at your door Mm -hmm. and all I see him doing the tours and all that all the time. But it's interesting to see the different the different ways cigars bring themselves onto the market, how they bring themselves into what is a very competitive market. Yeah. Oh, it really is. Speaking of uh, speaking of which, I mean, and still talking about Luciano, let's talk about the Sergeant. 
Yeah, so this will pay tribute to heroes who fight in anonymity. Uh, you know, okay, I like it, but I like it just kind of on a surface level. It, <laughs> hey, it, it's it's marketing that really appeals to your average cigar smoker. It's a smart business move. So it's going to be a trade show only cigar, and uh, it's in it's a five by fifty eight robusto gordo. They use an Ecuadorian-grown Corojo 99 wrapper, a double binder of leaves grown in Connecticut, and fillers from Nic- from Nicaragua, including Lajero, Mestelli, and Visas. And blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about the branding. That's a sexy-looking box and cigar. That is. That's a very, very, um, very appealing. If I, you know, because you think about... You know, it's obviously it's called the Sergeant. the The branding is is the three chevrons, but it's it's as if the cigar is wearing his dress blues, and I just I love that. It just really speaks to a certain amount of reverence. So everything I know about military rank, I learned from Mash. Right. So it's Private Sergeant. Nope. Private Corporal Sergeant. Sergeant. Private Corporal Sergeant. And then Captain Lieutenant Major. No, Lieutenant Captain Major, Lieutenant Colonel Colonel. Okay. And also, yeah, there's that, but that was that was old school. Now everybody's an E twelve or an E seventy three or I, I I cannot keep track of it. No, I can't either. But I do like it. I like the you know, again, Ace Prime making moves. They're showing their support for PCA mm-hmm. by doing an event only type cigar. So they're and I'm not sure that the um, Show only cigar is a great move. Why limit yourself? I, I also, I mean, it's de- you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about the show recently, an industry insider, and we were kind of talking about the fact that you know a lot of the big guns are are walking away from PCA, and how detrimental that's going to be to the industry as a whole. Because whereas a Drew Estate or a Perdomo or a Davidoff don't need the show to sell their cigars. Companies like Ace Prime and your other smaller, like Matilda, if they're still around. Um, yeah. So they need that. And they need the big guys to show up so that the retailers show up. And, and you know, those are the people that get really negatively impacted. So for a company the size of Ace Prime, I think building a little gravitas around an, a, a show-only cigar, I think it's a good move, especially when you consider there are a lot of shops that cater to or have a large contingent of veterans, either veteran-owned shop or, you know, people or a big group of regulars. It's it's a great it's a great way to market and and to to appeal to those people. But I will say I don't lay it at the feet of Drew Estate and Altadis and Perdomo for not coming to the show. I lay it at the seat the PCA. No, oh, absolutely, and 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 that was not intended to um, besmirch anybody who any of the major players that choose not to go because there are plenty of small people, small companies choosing not to go as well. Yeah, I definitely it's not their responsibility to make sure that other people have access to the marketplace. Yeah, if you P- if you're PCA and you're in that business. Then you make a phone call and you say, hey, what does it take to get y'all here? What right. can we do? Yeah, and we, we already got rid of the consumer day. What else do you want? Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a, um, 
I, I, I place this at the feet of PCA. I do not blame the companies that don't show up. Yeah, I don't either. But I do think that's an unintended consequence of the way of the shift we're seeing. It is, uh, you know. And here's the thing: a high tide raises all boats. Right. So you've got to be sure that you keep that. So let's step away for our break. Time's flying tonight. You it get, is. You just gave me the bat signal, and I can't believe it. And uh, and when we come back, I want to talk about the most brilliant idea in cigars I've seen in quite a while. And then we've got a, to- a good topic to cover that I'm very excited for. So let's step away for a break and come back. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from a man known as the Uninvited, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> I have never felt so unimportant as, as I did Monday night when everybody's texting me, do you know what's going on? Do you know what's going on? Even my wife got an invitation. <laughs> of one of the people here at, the, at Crown is leaving. After five years. After five years, and she's very good. She's an integral part of this business. This will be the single most impactful transition, personnel-wise, that this shop has ever seen. Oh, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And and they're having her going away party Friday, and everybody got invited but Trey. Yeah. (laughs) Arguably the man closer to her than any of the rest of us. Right. With the exception of Jay, you're probably as closer to her than any of the rest of us. Yeah. And uh, and I've made sure to give the proprietor significant guff for that. (laughs) Um, And we'll continue to do so when I see him tomorrow. The Talani is great. Oh, my gosh. It's just a great. And rarely do you smoke faster than me. You know, it's and it's funny too because I, you know, n- normally you think about how you're enjoying something, you want to savor. I can't savor this. I just have to keep going back and smoking it because I'm enjoying it that much. It is such a good stick. The the tin is just a great stick. It's just they did a great job. And now, does it me or does this look just a little darker than the other tins that I've grabbed? Do you think maybe it's just a random manufacturing accident? I have another box of Tawanis. I wonder if they'll be darker. I don't. I've. I wonder, it, it could be any number of factors. It could be the darkness in the corner we're recording in or the lighting conditions. Or it, could, it may be a little bit darker, but it's it's not so different from th- that I would have noticed that. Yeah, and it, it could be that they're just stored in a coffin, that they're in a two-count coffin mm-hmm. that you receive at events. So it could be something that simple. Yeah. And also, okay, from one great ideal to another. Oliva creates advent calendar full of cigars. Okay. I know you'll know this. What's the so what's the um, history and everything of advent calendars? You know, I look this up every Christmas. Okay, so you should know by now. And and, and every year I have to look it up again cuz I can never <laughs> remember it one year to the next. It it has to do with I, That's the equivalent of me throwing you the ball in the end zone and you're wide open and you're dropping it. Well no, because at least in that <laughs> scenario I would have known to expect it. If you had if you had given me a heads up, I would have I, I once again I overestimated you. <laughs> it, hey, it's rare that I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> and uh so the My wife is gonna be listening to this screaming, How do you not know that, you idiot? <laughs> The Oliva Holiday Countdown Calendar is a sampler of 25 cigars 
designed to open one per day leading up to Christmas. So on December I, 1st, you pop the cap on this. I love this idea. I, I think it's brilliant. How many, I mean, how many advent calendars are there for adults? Almost none. Almost none. My dog has an advent calendar where he gets a different treat every day leading up to Christmas. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs> no. It, yeah, it shouldn't surprise you. This is... I mean, yeah, I think this is a brilliant idea. And it's 25 cigars for $200. Good pricing. Good price. And Olivas are great. It says they're only going to make 10,000 samplers. I bet that number, what do you think, triples next year? Probably. At they, least. They sell out so quick, I guarantee it. It's going to have the Connecticut Reserve, the Serie G, O, V, and the Milanio, um, along with some limited editions. I hope there's a master blend in there, too. Well, and the good thing about this is it comes in in October. It's going to hit stores October 1st. So you have time to put them in your humidor. Just juggle that microphone. Nobody's listening. Um, <laughs> I, that, I, I can't tell you the last time that happened, if ever. You, um, you get it October 1st. You've got time for it to set in your humidor, for it to come of age, for it to, you know, any shipping or anything to be done. It's not like these send out Thanksgiving Day. Right. And you got to start smoking them December 1st. So I like the talent. And then if you notice the little tagline at the bottom of this article yeah. from Half Wheel, Tatawahe has announced plans for one as well. Yeah, I think that's... I say by next year, over under five. Yeah, how has it taken this long for people to... I guess was the, was the thought process that no one except for maybe General and Altitis had enough lines to fill one and so people were I, I just I it find it so hard to believe that it's taken this long for somebody to figure this idea out well I'll be interested to see how it's packaged because yeah. I would really because the good thing about my dog's advent calendar you don't know what treat is in the wrapper until the day you open it right and I, I would love I hope oh, that's this, that's the whole idea behind an advent calendar I th I'm, I'm sure it's going to be the same way where they're individually packaged in such a way that you don't know what you're getting until you get it you pop the cap on yeah. it and all that's I, I love the idea i think it's brilliant i think this is an example of great marketing and all there's just so much here that um i just i could admire a really good idea well and i also know this about you is that you're the kind of person like you like what you like but you also like the story you know, and this is this is a cigar that kind of comes with its own story. I've got so last weekend we were down in um, Blue Ridge, Georgia. I've got to tell you this because I think you'll appreciate the heck out of it. And we were walking around downtown one night, and they've got a, a cute little quaint, you know, town square, town center kind of thing, and you know, lots of shopping. And one of the places that we walked in was a knife shop because. You've done some nice things for me recently, and I wanted to, you know, I was just kind of, I've been keeping my eye out for some nice way to reciprocate. And so a custom knife shop with a lot of, you know, stuff made by artisans local to the area. I was like, okay, that's kind of wheelhouse. All right. You know, and they're beautiful Damascus and hammered and, you know, well-designed and, you know, and all this stuff. But then we get towards the back of the show, uh, back of the shop, and there's a cabinet full of TSA confiscated knives. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and all I could think was like, if I were gonna get a, a any one of the knives in this store, if I were gonna buy one for Shane, this would be the case he would most appreciate a so, knife to so come out you're of. Saying I'm getting a nice box cutter for Christmas from Trey. <laughs> they had um, they had pastry blades. They had some that were you know Bowie knives that were 18 inch <laughs> blades. Like, how do you end up at the airport with a chef's uh, meat slicer knife that's two feet long in your carry on and not realize you have it like it was mind-boggling some of the stuff well as the service animal thing continues to get nuttier and nuttier somebody's service grizzly i might want to carry a bowie knife with me just in case (laughs) (laughs) and all is the the service which the service animal thing something we can go into in a great depth because i know we don't agree on it (laughs) (laughs) we don't okay um, we don't on service. We we do agree, no. We don't agree on service animals. We do agree on emotional support animals. Yes. If you can't fly across the country without without Woofy, then guess what? You can't fly. Yeah. Now a service animal is an actual trained animal that performs a service. Those those are necessary, and they're not the ones that shit in the terminal. Right. Yeah. You don't have that problem. So okay, let's talk about our topic real quick. We All got right. a couple of other articles. I'll save for the end. And all. So I've been pondering this this week and all because I've been I've been thinking about my life and I'm always looking to enrich my life in my reflective times. I'm always thinking about how best to enrich my life and all. So the question is, what is the percentage of effort difference in good and great? And all because so many people go through life doing just good enough you know it's is we were talking about the lighter if it didn't hiss gas when you lifted the lid it would be great it's good but if it didn't leak gas when you lifted the lid it'd be great well you know and, and i spend a lot of my time uh, as a part of my job basically trying to trying to take things from good to great i mean that's what i do for a living uh for the most part it, you know boiling it down explaining it poorly and so, yeah, I definitely appreciate and can understand kind of the idea behind, okay, it works. All right, fine. You know, if, if, if works is good enough, then so be it. But what if it thrived? And, and that's true of people, too. But I think, I think so few of us have that introspective gene that it makes it really hard to sit down and say, okay, what could I have done differently? Well, you know, every plan before I send the initial version to the customer. So the way my plans work, customers meet with me. We talk about what they want, what they need, what they desire. They provide me with information, and I organize the information. But then I set aside about 30 minutes before the plan is emailed to my customers. I usually will finish the plan on an afternoon, and I won't email it that evening. I'll come in the next morning on a fresh brain and look at it clean, not having hammered on it for hours, and say, okay, what little things would make this better? Right. What takes this from good to great? And that's, I think that percentage, if you, if so, in your opinion, before I, before I blow the lead, in your opinion, if we did a family feud style, we asked 100 people, what is the percentage of effort between good and great? What would survey say? 20%. I don't think 100, I think that's true. Oh, okay. You don't think you think it would be more like eighty percent? I think it more, would be the sur- would be the survey says I answer. Think mo- I think number one answer would be fifty percent. 
and all. I think Steve Harvey would say double the effort. Yeah, yeah. I think fifty percent would be the. But the reality is, I think it's between. I think it's twenty at the highest, and probably most times five. It could be, you know, and, and I think part of you know it, it's it, it's funny because it makes me think of a boss I used to have, and you know I was doing a lot of reporting and and you know data servicing and 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 analytics and oftentimes we would get these ideas that would come in in the middle of the day and it's like hey we just we need to report we need a report that'll show us X, and I would start to work on it, and. You know, if you've ever heard the expression lies, damn lies, and statistics, you know that I, anybody with an agenda can make data say whatever they want. And, it, and my philosophy is to eliminate that bias as often as possible. And so I would go to work and I would make sure it was perfect until such time as after about two months of it taking two days to get things they were expecting in 20 minutes, my boss comes to me and she goes, 80%. I want you to give me 80%. That's better than most people's 100%. Give me 80%. And I was getting, you know, but what happens when you tell people in general to give you 80%? Eventually, 80% is going to become their 100% because they lose the flexing of the muscles that get them that. And that's why I say 20% because that that was the number for me of, of stepping it down by 20, not going increasing by 20. But. Well, and I was, I was discussing this at large and they, um, somebody said, well, I think that's where the phrase give 110% comes from. Because, you know, I've always thought the phrase 110% was stupid. I still do. But if you said give 100%, and then give 10% more. I think it depends. I think it depends on your definition of 100%. Let's take a, let's take a scholastic approach to it. You know, if, if fulfilling the rubric of the class assignment is 100%, then obviously there's time in the day. There are tweaks and things. There, there, is, there is room for additional effort. But not everything in life has room for extra 10%. If I'm running a marathon, well, I won't run a marathon. If I'm running a half marathon, I don't have 110%. I have, because the physical limitation is exactly 100%. Uh, now, one could argue that the training you do to improve is that extra 10%, so you may not see it in the actual effort. Um, but no, I can get I can get behind what you're saying that maybe it's that it's that additional capable effort. Well, it's like boxers will tell you, you they pay us to train, mm. we fight, but they pay it. You you're not paid for the two minutes and thirty seconds that you're in the ring. You're paid for the six hundred twenty days, eight hour days before that. Uh, Fourteen hour days. Yeah, whatever. And I'll but you know so. I've, I've thought about this because I'm thinking, you know, as I improve my life, what does it take to put an extra 10% effort into things that I do? And I think I'm going to start approaching stuff from that perspective and see what results it yields. I think I would like to to say, okay, this is, you know, because I hate the phrase good enough. And I, I just, I hate that phrase. I hate the, I hate the feeling that good enough gives me that do it, that being a D student gives me. Yeah, but I think I think everybody's measure of good enough. You know, D is not good enough for me. 
you know, being being a you know a B minus would be good enough. You know, I, I still agree with you. I would much rather be that A student in everything I touch, but also knowing that it's not always possible. Well, you know, it's it's my builder talk I give to people. If you have a builder that does everything by the codes, he does it all by the book, he does it all exactly by the book, exactly as the code book calls out, he treats that as his Bible. Congratulations, you've hired a D builder. Yeah, exactly mediocre. Yeah, he's doing just enough to get by. Now, the average human being can't afford an A builder, and the average A builder can't stay in business. Right. So you're looking for a good B builder. Yeah. You know, C plus B minus builder is a good builder. He's building a great house. Yeah. And also, and he's going to be in business after the sale, so he's going to be able to honor his warranty. He's going to, you know, all, all of those things that go into it. Yeah, and, you know, it's very easy when because homes are virtually an artisanal product. I can give less, less so now than they used to be, but yes. Well, I can give the same plan to three different builders, and it'll look like three different houses. Yeah. And the um, that's the thing, you know, and that's when, what we talk about in the cigar business, bringing it all back around. How many times have I said you can't be good in the cigar business? Right. There's too many people being great. Right. If you're just good in the cigar business, you're not going to make it. But then, but there comes kind of the you know, Willie Herrera is an is an A plus blender. You and I have always agreed on that. But there are going to be there are going to be other master blenders in the industry that even if they give one hundred and twenty percent, are never going to make make it to his eighty. True. So so. To, to talk about, touch on something that we, you and I argue about all the time, it's not always just about effort. And it has to be, it, you know, it has to be considered effort with an educated guess. Well, that's, that's the most fundamental difference you and I hold. Right. I believe all people are capable of greatness, just that most people are too lazy to do it. Well, and I don't disagree with that on its face so much as when you start comparing one person to another, that becomes apples to oranges in every single case. Because while everybody is capable of great things, not everybody's measure of greatness is the same. Not everybody are going to be able to achieve the same level of greatness in the same arenas. You know, I, I will, I could, I could start today, and I could pour my heart and soul in, and every you know, eat, sleep, and breathe learning CAD, and I would never be able to draw houses the way you do. You've got a head start on me. You've got, you know, years of experience just being around the industry that I would never have, and you've got a unique vision, and so I, I could be great at it, but. Comparing us, just like if you started training for a marathon tomorrow, you know. So I, I think it's I think it's dangerous to compare people, but I think you can definitely compare effort or experience. Well, it's do you do you live your life like a race, where you're always trying to finish first, or do you live your life like you're playing golf, where you're just trying to get better? Right. And all, and I think that's a decision that people need to make. And happy people live their life like they're playing golf. Well, and I think so too. And I also look at something I saw on the news last week. Um, Seth Rogen, the actor who I have a feeling you're probably not a huge fan of, um, 
when the quarantine and everything started last year, he's he's a for anybody who doesn't know who Seth Rogen is, he's a world renowned pothead. I mean, that's kind of what he's famous for, and and movies accorded to those themes. Well, he decided to get into ceramics and pottery, and has made and and over the course of the last year, ashtrays, <laughs> pipes, that sort of thing. Honey, bring me home pot. Wait, I think you missed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and and I follow him on Instagram just because you know pottery is an important part of my household. So, uh, you know, so I've started following him just for that because I'm not a, a huge fan of his movies, and he's very talented. And this goes to something that you and I talked about at the very beginning of this. If you're going to take all of this extra downtime that we've all been afforded, the fact that we can't go to the movies or play golf or whatever it was and not enrich yourself, you're missing a huge opportunity. And so he did exactly that. And one of his pieces sold at auction last week for $12,000. And that's huge. Unless you're Seth Rogen, and then that's beer money. He's he's (laughs) donating it. He's donating the proceeds from that piece's sale to fund outreach for the arts programs in, in Canada, where he's from. So... He, you know, you're right. For him, that twelve thousand dollars was a was you know beer money. It didn't matter. But to a publicly funded art program, that's a huge amount of money, and it came directly from somebody taking the time, extra effort, learning, improving, and not only improving their skills in their life, but using the fruits of that labor to improve other people's. And I think that's fantastic. That is, it's it's a good thing. You know, it's it's funny. I think one of the nuances of life is being able to appreciate someone even if you don't agree with them. You know, a perfect example. Last night after poker, I was sitting there talking to one of the guys, and we were talking about the TV show Yellowstone, Kevin Costner's TV show. I watched the first season and a half, and I quit. And I'll, I did not care for the show. I, I, that much chaos does not interest me. The amount of... The amount of chaos per- perceived in that show is way above my tolerance level, and all. Uh, but I can appreciate cinematically; it's beautiful. The actors are all masters of their craft. I can appreciate how amazing that show is, even though it don't necessarily hit my. Right. Well, it's like you and I in Longmire. You know, you spoke so highly of that show, and I tried to watch it. And it, yeah, the set pieces, the cinematography, incredible. But yeah, it, it, it and it's just so funny because you know you, you were watching House, kind of for the same reason at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah, we kind of traded and, off, and we both gave up on the shows that the other person really likes. Oh no, I watched every episode of House. Oh, but you hated it. You oh, were I kicking hated and screaming it. I hated every it. episode, but I watched every episode because yeah. I'm you know I'm there. <laughs> No, but because my just, wife made me. I can't really say yeah. anything other than but, that. <laughs> but, yeah, so so absolutely, being able to appreciate something. that it's And we talk about it all the time as it applies to cigars. It, 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 last week, it's a, it, it's a cigar that exactly did everything it was supposed to do. Not for me. And that's okay. Yeah, and I think that's important. I think that, that little nuance of life, to be able to appreciate somebody that does something well, even if it's not something you like, is... It's part of life that everybody should embrace a little. I think it just makes us better human beings when we can embrace that. Yeah, if you've got the opportunity to lift someone up versus tear them down, why would you choose the latter? All right, so let's hit one more cigar. Oh. 
the Protocol Bass Reeves debuting at PCA 2021. Oh, I, I, all of a sudden I know why you picked this. Yeah, they misspelled Reeves. <laughs> my life has been, my last name's Reeves, and my life has been spent saying R-E-A-V-E-S. And of course, this is R-E-E-V-E-S and all, but this cigar, it's from Cuba Reconos. Oh, wow, I pronounced that right. Cuba Reconos. Protocol Lawman series will pay tribute to the person who is oftentimes credited as the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. Was Lone Ranger before your time? Lone Ranger was before your time. No, I was catching it in reruns. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, I have seen it in reruns, but it was very much before my time. There, that, that's, a, that's another topic we can get into, the, the, thing, the things you didn't catch first run, but that are a part of your life, because, you know... MASH is a perfect example MASH of that. MASH is a perfect... Yeah. I never watched A-Team on network TV. I watched A-Team on reruns. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld, I watched on reruns. Now, that's just because I... And it, as we enter this digital age, we'll, we'll save this topic for okay. another day. Yeah. And uh, so this is made by A.J. Fernandez. So that's the, one of the reasons, other than the name being misspelled. It's made at the A.J. Fernandez San Latino factory in Acatal, Nicaragua. I'm on a roll. Um <laughs> And it's a 6x52 box press Toro that's offered in two blends, the natural and the Ecuadorian, over a Nicaraguan binder, fillers from Nicaraguan, and a Maduro that uses entirely Nicaraguan tobacco. Um, I, like, I like the wrapper. I like the, the label on this. I like the, the handlebar western mustache. But I'm a sucker for cowboy. Right. And all cowboys, have, my heroes have always been cowboys. And all as Willie would say, um, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging this stick. Am I um, am I being taken in by a marketing ploy? You probably are, uh, but I mean, you know, and this is it's this thing we talk about all the time. You know, is it is it a gimmick or not? And you know, one could argue that all marketing is is a gimmick, and and there's probably some pretty good evidence to support that position, but. When you pair it with a recipe like this and a manufacturer and a factory like AJ. And the master blender, Hector Alfonso Sr. of Espinosa. Yeah, I mean, that's got a recipe and it's got a great backstory. It does. I I could dig this cigar. Do you think this is also the inspiration for Blazing Saddles? Um, I don't know. Blazing, I don't consider Blazing Saddles a Western. No, I know, but... Never mind. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I don't consider it a Western. And uh, I consider it a great film. I consider right. it great, but I don't, it's kind of, it's kind of like I don't consider The Quiet Man a boxing movie. Right. <laughs> even, even though there's boxing in it, I don't consider it a boxing well, movie. Well, that go, and that kind of filters into the whole, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's very personal how you, how you categorize these things and all, but we we could do a whole show on movies and all. Right. We'd, ha- we'd have to get Sean to join us and do a whole show on movies and all. But anyway, all right. Well, let's land this plane. All give right. me a rating on the Tawani. Seven. I gotta give it a seven. With without hesitation. The flavor's perfect. The draw's perfect. The burn's perfect. Um, there, this the is mouthfeel is perfect. Mm-hmm. 
This and I like. The, I'm, I'm not a fan of Bellicoso, but I love it in the Bellicoso. It's uh, yeah, it's hitting all. Of, it's ticking all the boxes. If the Undercrown Ten was sold in boxes in this shape, I would buy it. Oh, uh, over hand any over of fist. their other Vitolas, absolutely. You know, because so the Undercrown Ten. I know I said we're done, but we're not. Um, I have been. I've been questing for a box of Undercrown Ten, and everywhere I go, they got robustos. But they don't have the bigger sizes. Right. Um, you know, right now, I'm looking for the 10 Corona Doble, the 7x50. Mm-hmm. To me, that's about the right size for that cigar. Yeah, it is. But if they had these, I'd be all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Same. 100%. And also, just another great job by Drew Estate. Yeah, absolutely. So how do they get hold of us, right? You can reach us at facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast and info at thecigarcast.com. Well, thank you for everybody for listening this week, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.